Well, hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla, and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. Let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies, and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, this is another one of those episodes where we answer some of your amazing questions. So as they say in social media land, let's get into it. Here's the first question. I have a question for you. Tell me if I am out of line. Do you still believe in God and Jesus? No judgment from me. I am on my own spiritual journey at the moment. Okay, so I don't get too specifics about my belief, but there are often times where I have shared them if you've been paying attention. But one thing I can tell you is that I don't believe in the version of God and Jesus from my religious heritage. I often talk about when I released God from rules. I landed into teachings about uh, the mystics. Every organized religion has a mystical arm of teaching and Christianity has those as well. And from there, I rediscovered some elements of my spiritual journey that had not been available to me and had not been taught to me in my high control evangelical Christian experience. Now, so for me, becoming unchurched and deconstructing from that religious heritage gave me permission to explore my beliefs and expand my spirituality beyond what I knew and what I had been taught. So I was rediscovering myself and my beliefs by embracing new perspectives. And while I might still believe in some kind of divine mystery, universal love, sacred, holy source of all, I am less inclined to give that the structure and meaning that I had when I was in Christianity, meaning when I was in evangelical Christianity. So I've rediscovered a relationship with Jesus that looks nothing like what it did when I was inside that high control religion. I'm very much inspired by his story and his teachings, or at least those that are attributed to them, because there are questions about what parts of the Bible have been added to as time went on. We know that the older the, uh, manuscripts do not have parts of scripture that have been attributed to what Jesus possibly said. And I don't want, I released a long time ago, the need to get into theological debates with people about that, because that is where they demand that you enter the, the playing field, the spiritual debate. And I refuse to do that because I find it, not only do I find it exhausting, I find it futile. So in other words, people, you can have evangelical Christian scholars and other biblical scholars debating these things on and on. Meanwhile, the rest of us are out here languishing, trying to discover and figure out what we're doing with, with, our, with our spirituality. So can our spirituality be less about trying to find concrete truths in what we believe and more about moving into the experience of the mystery, understanding that there and, and contemplating the fact that there are things that we may never understand and know and let that be okay. And that's really hard to do when you come from an indoctrinated belief that said, believe all of these things. It's black and white, up, down, left, right. Yes, no, bad, good. 
and releasing all of that and saying, I just want to dive into the mystery of the divine. And I want to feel that in every breath I take and every action I take on this earth by leaving this place a better place than I found it. That's how my spirituality shows up. So this revised belief, if you will, is it, it helps me have a more intimate and personal relationship with the holy. It creates this sense of closeness and connection that I didn't have before. It's recognizing the beauty and the value of all the many different spiritual paths because it's only, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to be bold when I say it, it's only the arrogant who believe that they are the keeper of this, of everyone else's spiritual truth. It's only the arrogant that believe that. It's only the arrogant that demand that they have the right based on their moral and spiritual superiority to judge others and tell the rest of us how we're going to live. And when you're out here and you release those things from your life, you realize that you have this, this shift that encourages a spirit of inclusivity and acceptance and fostering this, this unity among all of us, because it's like a tapestry of spiritual traditions and wisdoms that are trying to come together and they only know pieces of the story based on their own ancestral heritage and their own geographical locations. That's more reflective of what you believe is where your people came from than what an ultimate truth is. So if I decide to release those rules and show up by embodying love and compassion, that to me is a more accurate reflection of this divine light in the world that some people call God, that some people call spirit, that some people call goddess, that some people call the divine energy. And so when I intertwine that with my personal experiences, I acknowledge that I have a unique, authentic spiritual journey, as does everyone else. So my Seeking truth will look different now than what it did when I was in this high control religion. What I'm looking for now is beyond my evangelical Christian heritage and one where I'm seeking the truth as in who I am. Because oftentimes for many of us, it's the narratives that were placed on us about who we are that we lived through. And when you start to peel those away, all that's left is you. And then you have the opportunity to stand in your truth and learn what it means to truly be committed to personal growth and transformation. So I would say that my highest speaking is embracing the mystery. So it's less about me trying to explain to you what I believe about God and Jesus and more about me connecting in a way that's meaningful for me. And a lot of that I do inward. And then if I'm doing that work, how I show up is reflective. And I would hope that people know that those of us who are showing up with a strong sense of advocacy for social justice and equity and caring about others are more of a reflection of the teachings of Jesus that those who weaponize their faith and show up with a moral and spiritual superiority and say that only their way is the way and you now are going to be forced and mandated to live like that and believe like they do. That is religious oppression that can never be reconciled with spirituality and cannot be reconciled with any elements of a God or a Jesus. 
So who then is reflecting that back into the world more accurately without having to describe exactly what we believe with God, about God or Jesus? So that's what I would ask back to you. And I hope that that helps answer your question. Okay. So a uh, next question, all my life, I was taught that homosexuals go to hell. Can you please make a video explaining how you don't go to hell? Okay. Happy to do that. First thing I would say is let's lose the word homosexual and find something that's more meaningful and expansive. Perhaps I say LGBTQIA plus two. Some people might say something different, but just find a language that's more expansive and something that the LGBTQIA plus community has asked us to use to acknowledge the fact that their existence matters, that the words that they would like us to use matter, and that there is more than just this word that has become so weaponized by those who are seeking to obstruct their right to just exist and show up in the world with who they truly are. So the first thing I would say is, if it depends on, do you read the Bible to be inspired by it? Or do you read it to be validated by your beliefs? So you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. So, but if you're reading it through the lens of historical, societal, or religious context, then oftentimes we miss how it can be inspiring to us. And, you know, you can, you can read the Bible through the lens to justify your, your personal and your bigoted beliefs. And I'm not saying that's about you. I'm just using that word collectively here. You will find the verses to affirm that. If you are homophobic, then you will find the verses that you need to be translated in that way so that you are affirmed in your homophobic beliefs. But there are also verses in the Bible that support slavery. So, all right, but how far back are we willing to release the fact that our the Bible is a homophobic, racist book? It, you you go to the level of your entitlement and that's where you're able to release it. The Bible clearly supports slavery. And yet we have released that. I hope all of you have released that and understand that that is not, that was just a picture in the, at a time and a place when people only had value based on their ability to help the oppressor to weaponize that the value of that person by creating them as part of their assets that they brought into the home. We don't do that anymore. That's why we fought the civil war in this country. That's why we fought the civil rights. And that's why we're fighting people like Ron DeSantis, who says that Florida is a, is a woke, it is a place where woke goes to die. That's clearly a, a, a signal for someone who's saying he is embracing his, his racist views. So if we want to hold on to that part, if we're willing to release that part of the Bible, then why aren't we willing to release the part that can be interpreted to be homophobic? It's just a matter of what level of entitlement that you want to take your belief. So that's the first thing that we can say. But we can also say that there are places in scripture where you have to look at how the Bible has been mistranslated. For instance, we if you go back and you read some of the Abrahamic religions, the divine feminine was was worshiped and actually was a focus of some of those religions, but the hierarchical hierarchical patriarchal structure that came through these religions needed to minimize 
the divine feminism, the goddess worship, so that this male-dominated patriarchal structure that reinforced male-dominated leadership came to the forefront. And oftentimes when people who are hyper-focused on making sure the world knows that being gay is a sin is they are worshiping the words of Paul over the teachings of Jesus, or this need to evolve away from the historical and societal context in which the Bible was written. They want to hang on fast to the words of Paul. Well, these writings, of course, speak of women's inferiority and submission to male leadership, but he was simply mirroring his value system of his day, because that's, again, strong patriarchal structures that mandated male leadership and that was the reality of Paul's world. But when we apply that to the 21st century, it's very misogynistic. And we also know that even doing so doesn't necessarily give Paul all the credit that he deserves because he did have women in leadership inside his, inside his churches. So we, we have to understand what is it that we want from our faith? And if you're ready to release it, then it's time for you to think about every time you have this concern that you are go that you're afraid that somehow your salvation is at risk because you no longer believe that being gay is a sin. You have to go back and think about these things about how the Bible has been mistranslated, about how it's talking about times that no longer exist, and why you need you're holding on to this time when the Bible was written and you are still reaching back there to bring those beliefs up and hold on to them to weaponize your beliefs and, and harm another. So, you know, patriarchy, this is a system that lives in darkness and it it's a system that relies on the oppression of others. And we have to start thinking about that, looking at it that way, that it's time to dismantle those systems, whether they, be they belong, they're in politics, in our government systems, in our education, in our family systems, or in our churches. And they very much are. But we have to know that when we recognize the humanity in each and every one of us, then we can say that God is gay, God is black, God is a woman, God is non-binary, there's no debating this. There's no arguing this point because we are because God is. And if we are because God is, then there is a reflection of the divine in each one of us. What we believe is irrelevant. There is a powerful shift when we look at others with the same divine spark that we hope others see in us. But when we debate this, it gives power to these bigoted beliefs and we must learn to accept that this universal divine love that some people call God and some people call the sacred or the holy, this permeates the entire essence of humanity. We must stop arguing about it. Living free from the need to prove your humanity to another is sacred and debating whether or not it's a sin is futile because you asking that question tells me that you're ready to be released from it. But if you are looking for me to convince you based on the level where they're asking me to enter the debate, meaning the, the evangelical preachers, I'm not doing that. It's exhausting and it gives them power where I no longer give them power. 
because they're holding on to a literal translation and it protects their patriarchal power to hold on to the fact that they believe that being gay is a sin and I don't. And I reclaim my power by saying that I believe that the Bible reflects a historical and societal context of its time. And even there are mistranslations about uh, being gay being a sin. And then there are historical contexts that just needs to be released as we've done other parts of it. And we only hold on to the places where we want to hold on to our entitlement. And it is time to let that go. Okay, I've got time for one more question here. Let's see which one I want to answer. Mm, this is a good one. Hate the sin, not the sinner is the only one I don't agree with. Okay, so this was a video that I had done where I was talking about some of the things that Christian need to stop saying. And this person is saying, hey, I don't agree with you. I think that we need to keep saying hate the sin, not the sinner. She said, help me understand because for me, I hate the actions of others, but it's not my sin nor my life to judge, but it doesn't mean I like sin. I still love everyone. We are all sinners. Am I wrong? Love your content. Well, thank you. I'm glad you love my content, but yes, you are wrong. We'll just leave it at that. Go from there. I'm kidding. Yes, you are wrong, my dear, because you're missing a, a very important part of this statement. First of all, it's not foundation. It's not in scripture. It was written, uh, I think, in the 14th century by someone who was who was basically misquoted. But it has it's, it's transcended into time to mean hate the sin, uh, love the sinner. But think about the words. You're going to tell me what my sin is. You're putting yourself in a place of judgment. By looking at someone and saying, oh, that's a sin, but I'm going to love you anyway. When you have no power over my life, you have no right to have no power over my life. There is nothing about your spirituality that gives you the right to have power over my life. So that means that you cannot judge me. But this moral or spiritual superiority that's in a statement like this is intentional because this is how the pulpit, meaning the preachers who are indoctrinating their congregants into this, they want to send out little minions into the world who will perpetuate this toxic belief because they want them to believe that they are the gatekeeper of how other people show up in the world. So if I can convince you that you, oh, I want you to know that you're living in sin, but I love you. If I can convince you that you somehow are a broken person without my rescuing you, and the way I'm going to rescue is get your butt into my church, then you don't see that you're part of basically the one of the biggest MLMs that there is, which is called church evangelism. They're trying to get you into church so that they can continue to fund the systems and keep the lights on. And they do that by making sure that the people who are leaving there on Sunday are weaponized and equipped to believe that they are more superior than anybody else. And that's the danger and toxicity in these kinds of phrases. So you're not seeing the danger of them because it's never been used against you. You're still thinking of sin as a place where I get to define it some way, like somewhere there's this big cheat sheet that says I have the right to determine what the sins are in my life as in somebody else. Well, as speaking for someone who is completely de deconstructed from that concept, because sin has become weaponized. And that's a whole other teaching that I've done on one of these podcasts. One of these days will be organized. I can say podcast 25 or whatever. And I know I've written a blog about it that sin has become so weaponized 
that someone in that place of authority thinks they have the right to tell me the things I'm doing right and the things I'm doing sinful. That was never the intent. That should never be the intent of any organized religion. This is where religion gets it wrong. Religion should be a conduit to help people nurture their spirituality, to move into an intimate relationship with the divine, the holy, the sacred. Instead, it became a tool of power and patriarchal structure. They, the, the men figured that out a long time ago. And so when you can weaponize how people are showing up and convince them that without the knowledge and the salvation that can only come through church, then that's what you're, you're beholden, the guilt that you have and this feeling of unworthiness that you have can only be released and relieved through your connection to church. So actually, hate the sin, love the sinner is one of the most toxic phrases that Christians use that cause the most harm. So don't be coming out here telling me what my sin is, honey. I'm not listening. And it's a more of a reflection of your arrogance and your moral or spiritual superiority that you don't deserve. Because you can have your faith and you can believe whatever you need to in your church. But out here, we're all on equal playing field. We all belong at the table of humanity. Every one of us deserves a seat. Y'all need to stop gatekeeping it. So yes, I'm being very direct, but I want to give you all words. When somebody says this to you, you say, hold on. That is a toxic, arrogant phrase. And you will not use that with me. You will not use it if some, they use it with somebody that you're with. You use your voice in sacred activism to say you do not have the right to, to wield your moral or spiritual superiority out here. Take that back to your church pews on, on Sunday, but get it out of here. And if they get mad, they get mad. After all, there's no hate like Christian love. Okay. So, you know, we want to be a part of building a community of love and compassion. And you might look at me and say, well, you're not being very compassionate now. There is nothing more loving and kind than to create barriers between those who would harm somebody else based on their religious beliefs against those who have been historically oppressed. There is nothing more loving and kind than to be that person to use your voice against it and say, enough is enough. Keep it in your church. Keep it in your home, but don't bring it out here. Wow. Okay, that's as far as we got today is you know, I had like five or six questions, but that we're going to call it today because that is enough. Thank you so much for listening. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, Spirituality Matters with Rev Carla. And you can always connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok and on my website, RevCarla.com. Please be checking because there's lots of interesting things being added there every day, including my memberships, live courses, and all kinds of fun stuff coming up. I'm so honored to be in this space with you. Go in peace, be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I will see you soon.